Hey, Bethel family! Thanks for joining us today as we engage Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. We hope this study equips you with wisdom as you engage your community, whatever you find yourself this summer. Do you believe that opposites attract? Certainly in magnetism, it's true. What about in relationships? When I first met my husband, Andy, I saw all the ways we were alike. We laughed at the same things. We had the same major. We were both Christian. We had a lot of friends in common. But as we got to know each other, I discovered we were different in many ways. He likes country. I like jazz. He's early. I'm late. He's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. We definitely relate to the concept of opposites. Well, Bethel, it's great to be with you today on Anchor Daily as we reflect on Ecclesiastes 11 together. This is Sarah Landon, Women's Ministry Small Group Leader. You may be asking yourself, what in the world do opposites have to do with Ecclesiastes 11? The teacher seems to be making some statements that seem illogical or unexpected, even opposite. But my observation is that he's keeping two opposite forces in tension so that they complement each other, coming out somewhere in the middle, just like it happens in marriage. If we're both the same, one of us would be redundant, extra. Now that we've been married for 18 years, we've rubbed off on one another and come toward the middle a bit. I've learned some things from him and him from me. I'm better at planning now than I used to be, and he's more willing to step into uncertainty. Maybe that's wisdom, like Solomon provides for us in our text. Let's look at Solomon's opposites, starting with verses 1 through 2. He ends by saying, You know not what disaster may happen on earth. To me, that says uncertainty. How do you respond to uncertainty? Are you a saver planner, taking extra precaution, or an adventurer, jumping in with both feet and throwing caution to the wind? The teacher instructs us to kind of do both to give generously. It's not saving or being reckless, but investing in others who down the road might be able to help you out in your day of need. It's kind of a win-win. Next, we have verses three and four. He's essentially saying there is cause and effect. When the clouds are full, they rain. When a tree falls, it's just going to sit there. We can observe the skies. We can look at indicators or signs because there are particular causes and effects at work in the world. I would expect the teacher to instruct us to use these observations to make prudent decisions. Instead, he reminds us that too much analysis of these signs can get in the way of just making progress. There are natural laws at work. Don't necessarily ignore them, but don't put too much stock in watching them or you won't get the actual work done. I can't say that I personally spend much time looking at the skies, but news and social media definitely fall into this category for me. So it's okay to look at those indicators, but don't overanalyze. You've got an actual life to live. Verses five and six remind us that we don't know how God works. There's an element of mystery. We just talked about cause and effect, but really, there's still so much that we just don't know. So the middle road here is, do a little of this and a little of that. Maybe both will turn out well. Keep trying. Your work is not wasted. 
even when it doesn't turn out the way you expect. Moving on to verse 7, the teacher kind of breaks his pattern. It feels like he takes a breath. He has spent so much of Ecclesiastes railing on how this life under the sun is meaningless, transient, temporary. And yet, here as we get to the end of his writing, he states, Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. He's being a little opposite himself. In other words, this life can be beautiful. And despite all of these grumblings about life being a vapor, it really is sweet and worth enjoying. And then he becomes curmudgeonly again. That's the teacher we've come to know and love. Verses 8 through 10 echo these opposites. Rejoice in your years. Yay! But there will be darkness. Boo. Enjoy your youth. Follow your heart. Have fun. But remember, God will judge you. Don't have too much fun. Try to avoid pain because you won't be a spring chicken forever. Chuck Smith sums up verse 8 well in his commentary. You might live a lot of years, but remember, you're going to be dead longer than you're alive. And on that happy note, I'm just going to say that as we finish up our last chapters of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12 is the last one, I think I'm going to miss our grumpy wise teacher. His ramblings have been refreshingly honest and help me to gain perspective on my life under the sun. How about you? Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you that these words are here for us whenever we want. We just have to crack open your holy word. Thank you for the perspective of those who have gone before, who have been inspired by your Holy Spirit to call us to follow the narrow path. May we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to desire to know and follow you. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Listen in tomorrow as we encourage each other with the wisdom of God's Word. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so because we would love to continue to dive into God's Word with you. We would also like the chance to connect further with you. If you go to Bethel.ch, you will find all sorts of ways to serve, worship, and learn together. Finally, please consider sharing this podcast with your friends by word of mouth or on social media. Thanks, family. God bless you. Gracias y que Dios te bendiga.